You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Hello, my name is Barney Giles, and I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 through 17. As you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee, Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened up. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Barney. I am going to pray as we get into this word together. By the way, my name is Joel, and I'm one of the elders here. I have the privilege of getting to share God's word with you today. Really looking forward to it, so let's pray as we get started. Father, uh, thank you so much for showing us, revealing to us your Son, and doing so in such a powerful way as we've heard in this story. We pray that today we would be transformed, Jesus, by your baptism, that those of us who have been baptized would recognize the ways that you've changed reality as a result of it. But also, for those of us who haven't been baptized, I pray that today would be a time of repentance and returning to you, and that they would be baptized. So God, you know each of our hearts, we we ask that you would come here and you would uh, work actively among us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, As Nick mentioned earlier on in the service, we're celebrating Epiphany Sunday today, and uh, for some of you guys, you're like, I don't get all this liturgy stuff. You know, it's kind of confusing. Where, where are we at with this whole calendar thing, right? Uh, so Advent is what we just got done celebrating in uh, November to Christmas Day. And on Christmas Day, Christmas tide begins. So you guys have heard that song, The 12 Days of Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so we're going to sing that right now. Uh, if you, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you're like, oh my gosh, that song just grates on my nerves. Um, no, but that's what that song is about. And so Christmas tide begins after Christmas Day, and it actually goes up until Epiphany, which is January 6th. 
And Epiphany is a time of celebrating God's uh, revealing or manifestation of Jesus. So that's what that word literally means. Uh, Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world being manifested, being shown or revealed. And as Nick also mentioned earlier, it's, it's often associated with a group of Persian astrologers, these magi who've come from the east to worship Jesus as a child in Bethlehem. And, and that was a sign of this future reality that the Jewish Messiah, the Christ, would save the Gentiles as well. That It wouldn't just be Jews in God's family, but Gentiles as well. And as Nick also mentioned earlier in the service, I'm just giving you a recap because I know like 10 of you were here when he was talking earlier. Uh, Epiphany in the Eastern Church is primarily about the baptism of Jesus as the revelation that that he is God incarnate, that that he is both fully God and fully man. And his baptism is where we're going to focus today in this message, as as you've heard. Next week, we're going to be celebrating our eighth birthday as a church, if you can believe it. Praise the Lord. Um, Yep. And alongside of it, we're going to be returning to this sermon series that we've been uh, in for a couple of years now, the Upside Down Kingdom. So we've kind of been doing this for six months on, six months off. Uh, and, and I thought, man, what a better time than this week to look cl- more closely at the baptism of Jesus and specifically return to it in the Gospel of Matthew. And some of you guys were here two years ago and you're like, hold on, I thought we covered this like two years ago. We did. Uh, but we're going to look at it with fresh eyes today. And some of you who are here weren't here and you're just still going, why should I care? Why does it matter that Jesus got wet 2,000 years ago, right? What is this actually revealing about who Jesus is? And we're going to look at three main things. Jesus' baptism proves that he is the judge of the world. It might sound strange, but we'll see it. Jesus' baptism proves that he is the Messiah And this really foreshadows the way in which he would save the whole world. And thirdly, Jesus' baptism proves that he is God with us, that God is with us. Now let's begin. We're going to actually begin a little bit earlier than what Barney read. Earlier in the same chapter, in chapter 3 of Matthew's Gospel, uh, we see the guy who is going to baptize Jesus. And it says there, verses 1 and 2, In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, if you're familiar with John, you know that he is a strange guy. He lives in the wilderness. He wears camel fur, of all things, right? He eats locusts and honey, you know, just totally normal, right? And... And, and we find all of these uh, aspects of, of what John was like to be extremely strange, but what most people in his day would have recognized is that this was all a sign that he was a prophet. It's how prophets often lived and dressed. And so Matthew is telling us, he's saying, listen up. God is speaking, and you can actually hear it in John's words. Did you notice the kinds of things he's talking about? Repent, right? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it's come near. Heaven, in other words, is coming down to earth. You better get ready for it. Change your mind about everything that you've thought before. 
Change the way that you have been living. Turn away from living for sin and selfishness and turn to living for God and others. That's what he's saying. And as he's sharing these sorts of messages, John uh, begins to baptize people. And you might wonder, well, what does baptism have to do with this message of repentance. He actually tells us very explicitly later on, and this is what Barney read earlier, I baptize you with water for repentance, John says, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and his winnowing fork is in his hand, And he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So John's saying, I will baptize you with water for repentance. He's saying baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. It's a way of showing that you have repented. It's a way of showing outwardly that you have changed your mind already about everything, that you're in the process of changing your mind about everything, that everything now is is going to be defined by God. It's going to be uh, working to align your heart and your desires and your life with Him, whether that's the, uh, the way that you view people, the way that you view the world, the way that you view your identity. And this is how you are going to show that change. It's through going through the waters. And like water cleanses us from filth, baptism shows that we have been cleansed from sin, that we've been made new. And so lots of people were coming and they were repenting and being baptized, but John is also saying here that this is just the setup. This is just the beginning. Repentance is the start. The kingdom of heaven is growing and something greater is coming. And really, John's saying that he is just the start, that someone greater is coming. And though John is great, though he's literally the mouthpiece of God here, he's saying someone greater is coming. I am just a forerunner. And this person, I think someone left their phone on the stage there, this person who is coming will baptize too, John says, but not with water. He won't pour out water. This person who's coming will pour out his spirit. Wow. He he will shower you with the incredible presence of God, which sounds fantastic. It sounds great, but there's more than that. There's more. This greater person won't just baptize with the Holy Spirit, but with fire. Whoa, okay. Okay. What are we talking about here? What will, this, what will this fire do? Well, he says that it depends on whether you are wheat or chaff. That's the distinction. Now, I know that we... How many wheat farmers do we have here? We have a lot, right? No, okay. So I think we need just a little bit of an explanation for what we're talking about here. You can see these guys who have winnowing forks, and what they're doing is they're throwing these wheat... Is that yours? Sweet. You come in repentance, okay. (laughs) I think your ringer's on, Foster, by the way. Okay, we're back. That's where we are. We're looking at the winnowing fork. Okay, 
Uh, and, and these guys, what they're doing is they're separating the kernel from the rest of the stock, okay? And so coming back now to the other picture that we have, you can kind of see it all split up here, right? You have the wheat berries on the right, and you have the chaff on the left, and you have the, I, someone told me what that thing's called, a stock or something in the middle, uh, okay? And, and, and so Jesus, or sorry, John is saying, if you're a kernel of wheat, in other words, if you bear the fruit of repentance, then that fire that's coming, it's going to have a purifying effect on you. It's going to be good. In, in fact, it's going to leave behind a very useful, fruitful grain. But if you're chaff, if you are not bearing the fruit of repentance, then that fire will have the effect of destruction. You will be destroyed by the one with the winnowing fork in his hand. This is heavy, super intense. And so we... we we're led to go, who is this person? Who is the one who would come after John? Who's the winnower, as it were? Who is the one with this fork in his hand? Clearly, he's the judge of the world. But the Jews who would have been listening to John would have very clearly understood that this person is the Messiah, which makes the next sentence quite a turn of events. Listen to what happens. Verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Hold up. What? <laughs> what? The, the, the judge has come to be baptized? Why would the judge, the Messiah, get baptized? It's a good question. And, and John actually wonders the same thing. He says, verse 14, he would, it says, He would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? John's going, no way. You're the one whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. You're the, this cosmic winnower, right? You're the judge of me and all of humanity, and, and you're coming to my baptism of repentance? No way. No way. Here, you baptize me, John says. And he has a good point, right? Jesus didn't need to be baptized. Not like you and I do, anyway. Baptism is a sign that you have repented of sin and have been made new by God. But Jesus didn't need to repent. Jesus hadn't sinned. He had nothing to turn away from. And so here is where we are reminded that this king's kingdom is totally upside down. Jesus almost always does what we would least expect. We would expect Jesus to baptize John. We would expect this person, Jesus, this, this perfectly righteous person, to take his rightful place in history, to take his throne, to get his glory, to, as John said, have his sandals carried, right? To be feared by all as the judge of the world. But Jesus says, you don't get it, John. You don't get it. Here's what he says. He answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus says to John, he says, 
this baptism, John, it's about way more than you have imagined it to be. (laughs) This is good for us to do. This is right for us to do, he tells him, because God is filling up his plans of salvation. That's what the word fulfillment means. It means that God is bringing all of this to its final fruition. Jesus is saying, God is doing something new on the earth, and this is a sign of it. No, I haven't sinned. Of course not. Jesus is saying, but this isn't about my sin. It's about me coming near to sinners. This is about me revealing who I am, and really even about foreshadowing the future. We learn later in the scriptures that baptism is also a sign of death and resurrection. It's, it's being buried and being brought to new life. And so Jesus is showing that it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness because his death and resurrection is revealed. And so finally John's like, okay, you're the boss, right? You're the boss. I, I'm not going to stop you. Can you imagine the privilege of baptizing Jesus? And John Then in the tail end of verse 15, it says he consented. He's like, okay, 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 I get it. You're right. And then here is where the epiphany happens. Look at this. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. The sky, the clouds cleared. The sky was open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Heaven is coming to earth. Remember, John had warned everyone to prepare themselves, and now the Spirit is showing that heaven is coming to earth. The Spirit is revealing Himself. Not here is an actual dove. We often think it's like a a physical dove coming down from the sky. But as this bright, white, maybe bird-like creature coming and descending down from heaven, and He comes to rest on Jesus. A sign that Jesus' baptism has also been his anointing. This is a sign saying that this really is the authentic Messiah. See, in the Old Testament, kings would have been anointed with oil uh, by a prophet, and then the Spirit of God would come to rest on them. And in the same way, the Son of God came down from heaven, and He is now anointed with water by a prophet, And the Spirit of God has come to rest on him. But in case you have any doubt or question that this king has come from heaven, a voice from God the Father booms in the sky, authenticating him. He says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Wow, what a reveal. What a reveal. So far in Matthew's gospel, we've only seen Jesus as this helpless child. This is the first time that he appears in this way for 30 years or so. He's been living in obscurity as a carpenter in a small town of about 50 people called Nazareth. And here he's just bursting onto the scene. 
he, he's here showing up as a grown man about to ignite the biggest movement in all of human history, the kingdom of heaven. And what happens? The three persons of the Trinity all show up. They converge in this one place, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. This is one of the few times in all of the history of the world that this has actually happened, where all are showing up in one place. And it's to show what Matthew promised earlier in chapter 1. We looked at it just last month. This is all to show that Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. It's incredible. Now, what are we to make of all this? I mean, this feels very kind of transcendent and big. What, what, what are we to do with all of this? Well, earlier I shared with you three things, and I'd like to go back to those and, and highlight a few ways uh, that that impacts our lives today. The first one was that Jesus' baptism proves that he is the judge of the world. Remember, we, we heard from John the Baptist who said that the, the one mightier than him would come. Remember the, the winnowing fork, right? And there's no better sign that this is who he was speaking of than what we saw go down at Jesus' baptism. Now, John probably thought that Jesus would judge the world immediately upon his arrival. But remember, this king is, is, his kingdom is upside down, and the Bible teaches us that his judgment is way off in the future because now is the time to repent and be baptized. That's still going on today, friends. Now is the time to repent and be baptized. Now is the time when his kingdom is still coming. It's still expanding. It's not fully here yet. Now is the time when God with us, sorry, God is with us in mercy and in grace. Now is the time to prepare ourselves for his return. Are you? Are you preparing yourself for his return? You know, what's so beautiful about this is even though Jesus is uh, the judge of the world and that, that bears a kind of maybe darker, weightier uh, tone to it, because Jesus is judge, when we are baptized into him, we actually find eternal security for our souls. That's the good news. Galatians tells us, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That sounds like, whoa, 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 what are we talking about? He's saying, we are put in his place. Our souls are absolutely secure in him. Christians, we are baptized into Jesus. We get brought into who he is. And so his immovable identity as the eternal son of God, it actually becomes ours. It becomes our own. We don't need to go out searching and trying to find ourselves, trying to look for identity in all these different places that we search for it in, in our work and in, in our accomplishments, in our relationships. Oh, if, if I could just have these relationships, then I'd be somebody. Or, or maybe even in our sexuality, we don't need to look for it anywhere. We find it wholly, completely 
in him. We get counted as he does, as, as sons. We're going to come back to that in just a moment and look at it more closely. But number two, let's look at that one next. Jesus' baptism proves that he is the Messiah, and this really foreshadows how he would save the world. The, world, or the word Messiah means anointed one. And we saw how this anointing was done by John with water. We saw how the Holy Spirit came down. And Jesus was anointed as the Savior King, and, and He was being prepared for His ministry, which was done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this, we also see this, this foreshadowing, as I said, of His death and His resurrection, the means by which, as Messiah, He would save the world. Romans tells us in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 4, we were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. When we are baptized with the Messiah, we experience redemption through dying and rising with Him. We are brought into Jesus' death and His resurrection. And so what that means is that we are given life, we are given eternal life, and we don't need to go find life out there somewhere else because we have found it in Him. We don't need to think anymore like, man, if I could just experience these things, then my life would have meaning, then I would have purpose. If I could just have this, this pleasure in this moment from this food or this sex or, or this drink, if, if I could just have financial security, then I would have life. And what we learn is, no, 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 no. The kingdom of heaven has come. And in Christ, in His death and His resurrection, is where humans truly flourish. It's, it's where we learn to live life God's way. And it's where we receive life through our connection with Him. It's beautiful. Lastly, number three, Jesus' baptism proves that God is with us. The epiphany of Jesus' baptism, it revealed that He is the eternal Son of God, the second member of the Trinity come to us in human flesh, that He has existed for all of eternity with God the Father and God the Spirit in perfect unity and love, and his baptism confirms that that identity is still a reality, meaning that, that he didn't cease to be God when he began life as a human. Even though Jesus left heaven and came to earth, he's still the king of heaven. Even though he took on the humility and the, the, the filth, really, of, of humanity, he remains the beloved Son of God. Even though He has revealed Himself in this new way, in the, in the flesh, nothing can change who He fundamentally is. In other words, He is Emmanuel, God with us. And when we are baptized with Emmanuel, we get to intimately know the God of the universe. 
You get that. A minute ago, I, I said that we are baptized into Jesus, that we get brought into who He is as sons of God. He enjoys being the role of the Son of God, and we too are brought into God's family as beloved sons and daughters. And now what God said about Jesus at his baptism, he says about us. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Christian, that's what God the Father says about you. Do you get that? More than that, we get get brought into the love and unity of the Trinitarian God. Think about this. The, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit existed before time in perfect love and unity and oneness, and yet now we are welcomed into that circle. It's absolutely incredible. You ever feel like you're just seeking acceptance. You're chasing after being accepted by someone or by a group of people, or you just want to feel that sense of belonging. You ever feel imposter syndrome, you know, and you just, I just want to feel like I belong. Look no further. How could it get any better than belonging with the God who made us? But it gets even better than that. Because it's not just you and the Holy Trinity hanging out. It's not just me and the Holy Trinity hanging out. As we get brought into Christ, we get brought into His body, the universal church. Christians from the past, Christians from the present, Christians who haven't even come yet. Some of you who are going to become Christians, you haven't even become a Christian yet. All of us get brought into this greater worldwide historic family called the church. The Bible calls this group a cloud of witnesses. That that in a sense, those who have come before us, those who are here and and who will ascend to heaven one day as well, we're like a, a great cloud in the sky testifying to who Jesus is together showing that He really is the one who, we, uh, who is worthy of our worship. And this week I read a story about a pastor who was on a tour of the Middle East. And his group, of course, went to the Jordan River. Because you got to do that. You're right there, right? And, and they got to go to the place where Jesus was baptized. They know from archaeology that this is a very likely specific location, not just the Jordan River in general. And, and most of the people in the group had already been baptized. And so the pastor's thinking, okay, what, what can we do to make this special? And so what he does, he's from a very kind of formal church tradition. What he does is he says, okay, I'm going to take some of this water, and we're going to commemorate all of you being brought into Christ. So he takes this water, and, and he, as each person comes through the line, he, he dips some of the water in the shape of the cross on each person. He says, you have been brought into Christ. But then there's this man in their group who hadn't been baptized. He's saying, I want to I be baptized. And, and he and the pastor, they, they walk together into the water. 
And without any kind of hesitation, this guy, he breaks all the formalism of this whole moment and he goes all the way down. He doesn't go for the dab of the cross. He just goes all the way down, dunks himself in this freezing cold water because, you know, this is high desert, right? And and perhaps this was in the middle of winter. I don't know. If you've ever done the polar bear plunge, you know what this is like. And he, and he comes up and he's just, you know, the feeling of like that, that shock and that trying to take that deep breath afterward. And, and everybody's going, okay, whoa, what just happened, right? This guy just jumped in the water. Meanwhile, there's a group of nuns from Lebanon and Egypt who are standing on the opposite side of the river. And some of you know that the Jordan River is the border between Israel and, and the country, Jordan. And so these nuns are actually standing in another country, even though they're only 25 feet away. And they're watching this whole thing unfold. And as the moment that that man comes up out of the water and he takes this deep breath, the the nuns just burst into singing and clapping and celebrating. They start singing Amazing Grace. And before you know it, everyone in the whole area begins singing Amazing Grace. And everyone was brought to this awareness that they were a part of something they would never forget. And the guy who wrote this story, this pastor, he he says, One man went under the water of baptism, and when he emerged, a cloud of witnesses from across the nations and over the world gave thanks to God. See, when we're baptized, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, all of them, Bearing witness, they're saying Jesus really is the judge. Jesus really is the Savior, the Messiah. Jesus really is the Son of God. He really is the centerpiece of human history and God's plan for the redemption of the world. And His baptism proves it. Have you been baptized? That's actually our first question Uh, This week, as our community groups gather together, have you been baptized? If so, tell the story and what it meant to you. And then read the baptism narrative from each gospel aloud together. Each of the four gospels has it. And then just share what stands out to you as you do. I'm going to pray and we'll respond to God together. Father, It is incredible to see the way that you have revealed your Son. Jesus, we thank you for coming and being God with us. We thank you for dying for the forgiveness of our sins. And we praise you for rising in power over our enemies of Satan's sin and death. And we just want to come to you and and really be brought into who you are. We thank you that those of us who have repented of our sin and been baptized, that's already a reality. We pray that we would step into that reality more and more as we come to know you more. For those here today who have not yet been baptized, I pray that they would turn, they would repent and turn to you and be baptized. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, 
visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.